welcome to the Defender Podcast, a resource to help mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm your host, Herbie Newell. It's Wednesday, September the 6th, 2023, and I'm coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama. Well, today we are so grateful to be joined uh, by a pastor and a leader uh, from one of my favorite cities in the United States. And I don't just say that. I really, truly love Topeka, Kansas. And uh, my wife and my kids say it's because I'm a collector of people. And Jeremy is just one of those great people from Topeka, Kansas. And the church he represents, Fellowship Bible Church, is just one of the great churches in Topeka, Kansas. And so um, many, maybe you've never been to Topeka, Kansas. I will tell you there are great people who love the Lord, who are, are, are fun to be around, and who are enjoyable to be around. And you get to, to be around Jeremy Wynn today on this podcast, who one is leading people to mission, but I can also personally attest being present during a Super Bowl that he is an entirely huge Kansas City Chiefs fan. Uh, so I was, uh, I was with him in 2020 during that Super Bowl before the pandemic and got to witness the the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl. And then of course this last year they won it again. And so this man is going to be happy uh, knowing that he is a reigning Super Bowl champion and that he has uh, he, his team has won the Super Bowl uh, before that as well. But Jeremy is the adult uh, discipleship and outreach pastor at Fellowship Bible Church. Uh, Fellowship is one of our great partners here at Lifeline. We share a common vision ultimately to support and care for the church and the vulnerable around the world. And specifically, we share a heart for India. And Lifeline provides structure, training, and financial pathways for us to connect and fund the ministries that we support there together and helping with basic life uh, life needs. We provide an opportunity for these children to hear the good news of the gospel. And together through fellowship and Lifeline's partnership, we provide funding the steps home for girls in the Hannah Krupa Child Care Center. Uh, we visit them in India together and are in regular communication together to learn of the needs and how we can ultimately share that with the greater body of Christ. Uh, Lifeline keeps, uh, fellowship informed of any special urgent issues that arrive and they're able to help with. And they're also able to participate in conferences and training sessions and to provide for these other partners. And I, I've enjoyed this partnership. I've been able to travel to India for a pastor's conference with fellowship and, and Jeremy and several others from the church there. And I know that Sonia Martin, who's also on our team and helps, uh, helps supervise and love on and coordinate our Asia partners just recently also was able to travel with fellowship. So this is, this is an important partnership and hopefully you will learn how the church here in America is partnering with Lifeline together to ultimately undergird and support our sisters and brothers overseas who are caring for uh, the most vulnerable in their neighborhood and particularly today in India. But before we bring Jeremy and Sonia on, I want to remind you of the run for one. It's literally in three days. The Run for One is our annual 5K event that raises funds for Lifeline's Global Orphan Care Ministry. Through this ministry, children are receiving love and care, enrolling in schools, learning life skills, and hearing the hope of the gospel. You can join others who are running on September the 9th by running wherever you are. And if you go to runforone, the number 5k.org, again, that's run for O-N-E, the number 5k.org. It's not too late to register to run wherever you are in the United States or even in the nations 
Or if you want to be a part of a, a live run on that site, it will tell you where the live locations are. Certainly there's one in Birmingham, but there's some other live locations uh, that have popped up also around the country. So again, run for one, the number 5k.org to run up for the, to sign up for the run for one and to support global orphan care initiatives, even like what you're going to hear today. So, so Jeremy, friend, brother, uh, I have enjoyed being able to just to partner in ministry, first and foremost with you personally, but then also with fellowship as a body. Uh, would you just talk a little bit from your side, what partnering with Lifeline has looked like? And I guess, you know, vulnerably, has that been multi- mutually beneficial for fellowship and how so? Yeah, well, thanks, Herbie. It's great to be on the podcast. Yeah, the, the partnership with Lifeline has absolutely been been uh, beneficial. And I'll zone in specifically about India because we have a you know a local office in Kansas and we do a lot of different things. But specifically, when we look at the unadopted program in India, man, you just you start with just having an aligned vision where we have a similar heart where we want to see the vulnerable cared for. We want to see the vulnerable come to know Jesus. And so to have that like-minded vision and then to be able to have um, trusted relationships between fellowship and lifeline and also trust in deep partnerships on the ground in India, be able to have that aligned vision, to have those deep relationships, and then just to have really good handles that you guys provide for us as a church has just been huge. because. Lifeline, and when we look at India, it's, it is hard to get funds in there, right? It's like if we, as we have other partnerships in India that aren't with Lifeline, it has been a real challenge to figure out how to get resources there. But with Lifeline, you guys have figured out the logistics of how to do that. So you make it easy for us to be able to be available and to be in India. Uh, another just a practical thing is, you know, we have some incredible partnerships there. Um, Krupa, uh, we think about Nathaniel's, a, a new one we've been getting to know, um, Tara and the ministry that she does. And they give tons of requests and we built relationships with them, which have been great. But what Lifeline does is you have that strong relationship as well, but you're able to have more of a strategic conversation with them to figure out what is strategically best for India and for that specific ministry. So we don't have to be an expert on all the different things when it comes to India and partnerships and, you know, contextualization, all this stuff, you guys help us with that. And so as a church, we get to be available. Like we just say, God, we want to be available. We want to mobilize the church. We want to be engaged. And then Lifeline helps figure out, hey, here's what that looks like. And then we're able just to tangibly meet needs on the ground and allow God to work and be a part of transformation. So it's been a great partnership. Yeah, and Jeremy, I'll just testify for me. You know, I I was there uh, at Fellowship back in March and had the opportunity to participate in a Sanctity of Life uh, Orphan Care Sunday. Uh, Joe, your pastor, did a beautiful job laying out a call for the church. But that was a busy weekend for your church. And one of the things that I just loved is seeing you know, your wall of, of missions that you are supporting, missionaries that you're supporting around the world. And for me, just as a partner, it was so encouraging to be able to walk through that prayer journey and to pray for your missionaries. And as I stopped, see Hannah and Krupa there in Bangalore and to see their story and then to walk around and to see Tara and and, and the girls there at Steps, to, to see that shared symbiotic partnership where we're not just supporting them physically or financially, but we're praying together. 
and to know that the, the, the people of fellowship are praying. You know, Sonia, I, I know for you, with, with our partners on the ground, that means a time knowing that when we say, hey, Lifeline's praying for you, that doesn't just mean our staff, our constituents, but it means the body of Christ, even in Topeka, Kansas, is praying for our partners. What does that mean to our partners? Yeah, that's so true, Herbie. And really, if there was ever a topic that I was more excited about, it would have to be this one, the U.S. church's role right into global orphan care. And what does that look like, not only to your point of how the partners receive that prayer and encouragement and equipping, but what that does to the local U.S. church body. And Jeremy, I would be so curious to hear you talk a little bit about that. Like, I think so often, as is the case with many topics across the very idea of orphan care or care of vulnerable children, whether domestically or internationally, the church is knitted in such a way by the Lord to desire to help, to desire to step in, to want to lean into that space. But so often that need feels incredibly overwhelming that it almost becomes a bit paralyzing. Um, and so when churches like fellowship can step up and step in and say, church, we need you church. Here is an opportunity before you. I would equally love to hear what that means to them. Yeah. Uh, great question. Great setup. I mean, ultimately what happens at the end when people say yes, and people engage in being a part of God's mission to love the least of these, to care for the orphan and to be engaged. I mean, it creates a sense of joy, right? When you're on mission with God and what he cares about, and you have authentic, true relationships with these partners overseas that you've prayed for, that you've heard updates from, that you've gone and visited all this, like it creates a sense of, of mobilization, a sense of joy. And so what, what we've really tried to do and what Lifeline has helped us with a lot is how to give just those next steps so it doesn't feel so daunting, but they can have a role and a piece in it. I mean, one thing that we do, Herbie talked about, I mean, we believe that the most we can do is pray. And so we want to be persistently in prayer for our partners. And, you know, Han and Krupa, you guys talked about Tara and others that are in India. Like we take that very, very seriously. And we have prayer guides and all kinds of things. But we also want to, um, we do like Christmas cards. We do something called Operation Christmas Card, where we have our people before and after the weekends write cards and our kids and our children's ministry go through and write cards. And when you do that, when you're praying for someone, when you write them cards, when our children's ministry in the summer raises funds for backpacks for kids in India, like you build a bond there and you and we are trying to get better as a church at sharing stories to celebrate so that people are able just to, to see what God is doing through um, our churches being available and being intentional to, to what God could do. I think that's remarkable on so many levels, but really, truly what you're saying is you're making these partners feel seen, feel heard, feel valued and feel worthy. And that's not always the case when we're talking about these young men, for example, who feel so isolated, maybe they're standing up a ministry in a rural part of India and they are seeking intentionally to serve and love the Lord and lead and teach and train and disciple his people. Well, but they feel alone. And I think that that happens more so than we truly kind of recognize and realize. And so when there's opportunities to do exactly what you're saying, what a gift to them to get a card, what a gift to them to get a WhatsApp message or a text message saying, Hey bro, praying for you today. You're on my heart. Like the amount of 
encouragement that that brings to these brothers and sisters is profound. Yeah. And I think Jeremy, I mean, even just a testimony, one of the greatest things was sitting at a booth in between services at fellowship and having people ask me if I'd ever heard of the ministry of steps home or what's happening at, at Hannah and Krupa's place in Bangalore. And, you know, honestly, I just, I feigned ignorance because it was joy to me to hear the ownership of these brothers and sisters of what fellowship is doing. And that, I mean, they, you have no idea how much that encouraged my heart to, to personally have poured into these partners and then hearing ownership of, of people in a faith family for the good work that God's doing. It really does show the body of Christ transcends culture. It transcends location. It transcends, uh, all of these things that, that the Lord really is building a family that is interconnected and able to do great things around the world. I, you know, I, I love what you say, and I love the heart that, that you guys have there at Fellowship, that prayer is the greatest thing that we can do. I think so many times we, we, you know, we minimize prayer to, well, it's what you can do if you can't do anything else. It is the greatest thing because we're connecting with the author, sustainer, and creator of the universe who literally is, is sovereignly in control. However, maybe the, the next less thing we can do is to go and to be present. Uh, and I know you've had the opportunity. We've traveled together. You've traveled with, with Sonia to, to India. Talk about the importance of, of the trips. Um, how, how are you able to, to be able to get people ought to go? And, and what does it mean to you and your people when you're able to tangibly touch the work that's happening in India? Mm-hmm. Yep. Great question. I, I will answer that. I just want to just give a little touch point to something you talked about earlier is, you know, I'm honored and humbled to be on this podcast and you guys have said lots of great things about fellowship and thank you. But for those that are listening, I mean, and I know you guys agree with this, understand this one. I mean, it's the work of the spirit and of God that is moving in the hearts of people and is bringing the results that's happening in India and is bringing a partnership like you guys is bringing incredible partners like India. So one, God's doing all the work. Number two for us. And if there's other, you know, church pastors or leaders or stuff that are listening to this, like it has been a journey and a process for us. I mean, if you were to talk to people even five years ago, they would have been like, yeah, I don't know who our missionaries are and the, what some of the fruit that you're seeing. I'm just saying, wow, praise God, because I've been on staff 10 years and that is not the feedback that's been there for a long time. So it's been a journey. It's been a process. And so if there are people out there that are listening to this and thinking, oh, man, I wish my church is like that. Listen, like one, God's doing it. And two, it, it takes time. It takes a process. So continue to be in prayer for your church body and have partnerships like Lifeline. And, you know, feel free. You can get my contact info from Lifeline. I can share our journey with you. But it's definitely been a journey with, with ups and downs. That's for sure. Okay. So talking about visiting people. Well, I'll just share that one. We have a man named Rick. Words that's a part of our church family that's been going to India for decades and has been there dozens of times. And so he has been a unique gift and tool that God has given us. Um, he just has a passion for India. He's um, just in very intentional relationships and has very tangible skills. He's a Mason, owns a masonry business. So he's been an incredible advocate and incredible bridge builder, relationship connector within a lot of this. And he's interwoven within our story with India. So as we've gone, I mean, yes, our church has sent teams, but also Rick Wirtz has just been like, hey, I'm going. And he invites a bunch of his friends from our church and they go and show up. 
But one of the things that I always find is powerful about our partners in India is I've really asked because it, it does cost a lot of money to go and visit. And we've said, hey, would you rather us just send you extra funds or would you rather us come and visit you? Because it is expensive. Every single time, authentically, the answer is no, we, we want to see you. We want you to be here in person. And the culture in India, it is one of hospitality, of welcoming, of relationship. And so whenever we go and visit, India might be uh, have a lot of people. It might be loud. It might have all these different things. But the, but the best part of India is the people. And when you meet with our partners there, with the people, the relationships that you build and cultivate over time are, are powerful. And I think we, we always pray for mutually beneficial relationships. And it's to the point where for me personally, you know, when I go and visit Tara and the the steps home, I mean, this last time, like it felt like going home, right? Like we played games, we ate a meal, our flight got delayed. So they let us, you know, sleep in one of their rooms. Like it, it was just like going home. It was super just comfortable, relaxed. Hannah and, Han and Krupa, they have, you know, young kids that are similar to my age. Like, I just feel like we're going on this parenting journey together. So just deep relationships and mutually transformative relationships are just so great. And then allows us to share stories when we go back. So as people have gone with us on these trips to India, their hearts are touched. They, they always say, yeah, that the travel's long and, you know, it's hot or whatever the things are, but the trip was transformational. And it's because of the people, it's because of the relationships, and it's because of what they see God doing there. So the the trips, they are long and all that kind of stuff, but they're so worth it both ways. And it really does help galvanize our people and um, just continue to, to build those relationships moving forward. Jeremy, it sounds like you're hitting it spot on that it's really humanizing the partners. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is very easy to forget. It's almost like I'll be perfectly transparent. It's almost like when we read the word, sometimes we can forget these are real, actual people that lived real, actual lives that did real ministry with the hurting, with the broken, with the vulnerable, that in the face of that overwhelming need that we keep talking about, that there are actual individuals there that God made and wired and woven together in such a beautiful way with their own unique giftings and skill sets. But for us to actually go and see and to do ministry alongside of them is such an incredible gift from the Lord that he allows us to step into that. Um, this entire kind of scope of practice and work and ministry that we all do together with Lifeline's Global Orphan Care team and the local churches that partner with us, it just reminds me of over and over again, it reminds me of Paul's call to the church at Thessalonica when he encourages them, you know, in First Thessalonians, I think it's 4.9. Now about your love for one another, we do not need to write you for you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. You've been taught, you know, God knitted you that way. He gave you that passion and that drive to fulfill his mission for his people. And I just love the way that your church has just heard that and grabbed hold of it and been willing to go and see and do. It's just such a beautiful thing. Yeah, I'd just add to that, Jeremy, you know, I, I have, I, I hear that from our partners consistently. And I know Sonia would say the same, that human connection is what we were made for. Um, and, you know, certainly physical needs, tangible needs, financial needs are real. But, but I think all of us would agree it's when brothers and sisters are together, working together, striving together, encouraging one another. That's, that's the true fruit of the kingdom. 
the byproduct is is the financial support, is the tangible support, or the things we do for one another. But but the true gift is when we're holding each other's arms up in ministry. And I know for so many of these partners, they desire and and want someone holding their arms up. And uh, it, it is such a it's such a, a piece uh, of of what we do. Well, well, Jeremy, I know that a lot of your role now is is, is a lot on discipleship and and really outreach uh, both in the community and out of the community. But for so long, you've had such a huge heart for for missions, for uh, missions that that are to different cultures and different uh, parts of the world. Why why is it important for the church for churches to partner with ministries that aren't just doing missions globally, but are also impacting the vulnerable and vulnerable children globally? Why is that ministry so important, and why does that need to be even a a focal point of our church ministry, of our church mission strategy, caring for vulnerable children. Oh man, we could talk about this for hours. Uh, so I'd say there's really three main things. I mean, the, uh, there's probably way more, but one is, I mean, God's word commands it, right? I mean, James one twenty seven, right? That's like your guys' foundational core verse. I mean, right there, very clearly, it talks about caring for the orphan, caring for the widow. I mean, like, just very black and white. Like that's what we're supposed to do. And then see Matthew 25 verse 40, this culmination of Jesus saying, you know, to care for the least of these and he explains what that looks like. And then, you know, ultimately Jesus talks about in John 13, 35, that, you know, you, you, the world will know you're my disciples, by the way, you love one another. And that absolutely includes um, those that are vulnerable. So God's word definitely is very clear on, it commanding it. And so that's just something that we're supposed to be a part of beyond that though, like at a more practical level, when we care for the vulnerable, we're giving a picture of the gospel to uh, a world that is unbelieving and in a world that um, can be resistant to the gospel, resistant to church, resistant to Christians. And so when we as believers and as the church step up and go and serve the vulnerable in not a transactional way, but an authentic way, in a way where we're not doing it to seek anything for ourselves, but totally to, to help others to make Jesus name known, like the world sees that. And the world has to ask the question of, okay, why would this group of people like just show up and do this? I think there are times where as believers, like we do things that are not uh, filled with um, truth and love and truth and grace and have that balance. And so when we do show up and show a good picture of the gospel, um, I think it's a powerful testimony to, to the world. And even just like sharing with those that around us, sharing what God is doing and what we're involved in and inviting other people in. And then ultimately why we should be involved is I, I talked about this a little bit before, but it brings joy. Like when we are serving on mission with God and we are doing it in a way that's humble and not for ourselves, but for others and, and you're cultivating those relationships along the way, you can't help but receive joy from that. There's so much in our world that's, you know, wanting to just get something fast or it's transactional or it's just not real. It's not authentic to have something that is truly real, that is truly authentic. These, these true, like just serving, showing up serving for, and not expecting anything in return, but God gives you like so much 
um, it, it fills you with true joy that we all, we all long for, and we try to find it in lots of different ways. But when we show up and we care for the vulnerable and we're faithful and obedient to what God calls us to, um, we can't help but get joy. If I were to talk to Rick Wirtz and ask him, why do you go to India so many times? That's what he would say. He said, I, I don't have to go to India. I get to go to India. And he shares all the things, the blessings that he has received from going there time and time again. And others that are engaged in caring for vulnerable children in other ways, they would say the same thing. It's hard, but it's absolutely worth it. It's been the most joy-filled, fulfilling thing that God has ever allowed me to be a part of. Jeremy, I'm curious, as you kind of reflect back on your church's journey through this and getting your body engaged in this call to care across the globe, what has that journey been like for your church specifically, meaning kind of what were some barriers initially that you guys sort of ran into, maybe some encouragement for some other church pastors that are considering sort of putting this call out to their church body? Just kind of walk me through what what did that look like specifically for you guys? And how do you feel that your church eventually ended up really just fully leaning into this? Okay, so we started out very reactive, uh, very kind of a shotgun approach involved in a lot of things, but not any true relationships. And when I say reactive, like we wouldn't be proactive of casting vision and saying, hey, here's where we're going. Here's where we're inviting you into. Here's some clear next steps more. I mean, our, we get lots of requests. Hey, this you sh- can you be a part of this thing? Can you be a part of this thing? And they're all good things. And so if you say yes to too many good things, our people aren't going to be able to know a hundred different missionary partners and have a deep relationship. Our people just aren't going to be able to, to hear all the stories and keep up with everything. If we say yes to too many things. So we actually had a group come in called 1615. Uh, Matthew Ellison leads that took us through a process where we created clarity and we got focus on where we want to focus and what are our core values? How do we make decisions? Some of these different things. And that clarity also then allowed us to build a a cohesive team, a team where um, in our global outreach team where we can have trust and have some healthy conflict and agree on things and hold each other accountable. So that ultimately from elders to staff to our church body, we had we we got alignment of proactively where we're going, what God is calling us into and how we're going to get there. And so within that we say no to a lot of, a lot of good stuff. Um, it's, it's tough to say no to things, but when you have that alignment and you have that clarity and you have that trust, you're able just to go and you're able to be focused and, and Joe can be preaching something on a weekend, which matches with our prayer thing, which matches with what our go team's doing. So we're able to really funnel our efforts. And this is why I love that, God will uniquely call different churches in different areas to different things. I don't think it's like, you know, hey, every church has to do this one thing. I think we're all, as the body of Christ, called to be engaged with vulnerable children. But, you know, God's going to call us to different places with different partnerships. And that is great because there's plenty of needs out there. So as a church, I'd encourage them, you know, um, just be in prayer of what are the people and places that God is uniquely calling your church to in Topeka, Kansas. When we began this process, we had 300, if I remember right, 300 families from the same city in India where steps orphanage where Tara's um, organization is from. We looked at that as well as Rick, where it's going to India, as well as our already ongoing partnership with lifeline. We're like, 
this is pretty clear that this is where we need to really go deep and be a part of. Uh, a fancy word is divine serendipity, right? Like what are those divine things that God has uniquely already placed within your culture, within your experiences at a church that you might be able to go deep in and really meet a specific need that uh, you're uniquely placed into? Yeah, that's beautiful. And, and I think it's so important. And, you know, even talking about that mission and ministry and the rhythm of the church, I love what you've talked about, Jeremy, from God's word. I think the other great place that I would encourage any church to look at is the beginning of Jesus's ministry, as recorded in Luke chapter four, he, he preaches from the, the scroll of Isaiah, opens it up, Isaiah 61, and he reads, you know, the spirit of the Lord has come upon me and appointed me. And, and, and he says, these are the people groups he's appointed me to proclaim the good news, the gospel, the kingdom to. It was the poor, the captives, the blind, and the oppressed. And spiritually, that's what we are without Christ. We are poor. We are captivated to sin. We are blind to the hope of the gospel. We are oppressed by sin and our adversary. But also, we, we show a physical reality when we go and we care for the vulnerable. We're, we're caring for the vulnerable child who is poor physically, but also poor spiritually. We're caring for vulnerable families who are captivated to systems. And in India, we look at a caste system and we look at all the, the systems that are trying to hold them down, but they're also captivated to false religion. And we want to open up their eyes to see the hope of the gospel. And of course, blind and oppressed, it's easy to see how the vulnerable are blind and oppressed and spiritually and, and physically. But beloved, I think, and, and this is what I know we've seen firsthand together, Jeremy, uh, when we've been in India, is you see when the vulnerable latch on to the hope of the gospel, those are the ones that will take it the furthest with the most vigor to say, I want to make this gospel known. And so it's a part of mission strategy, I believe, not just a call to care for the vulnerable, but also the mission strategy piece of, of loving on and caring for and seeing the gospel go forward. So, so Jeremy, as we end, uh, and you've been overly kind, but I, I guess I would just ask you, if there's another church that just happens to be listening to this podcast, or or even if there's a member of a church that's going, hey, I'd love for my church to lean in. Can you speak both to the lay person and to the church leader on both why is it important to go forward, but also how does that lay leader especially get the ear of, of the pastor within the church to make it a priority and a rhythm of what their church is doing? Because I know Rick, and, and we, Rick Wirtz, who you mentioned, I call him Bulldog. So, you had someone who wasn't going to let you not partner in India. And that might not be the strategy you would give every lay person out there. But, but what is a good way to introduce getting engaged to your pastor and to your church? Oh, man, good questions. Okay, let me start with the first one because I, I feel more confident in that, <laughs> that answer. So uh, as, a, as a church, you know, if you're a church leader, church pastor, and you're listening to this and thinking, hey, you know, why should I be involved with Lifeline or even specifically maybe the unadopted program and some of the different things they do there or, or India even. I mean, one, uh, the Christ centered vision. I mean, like I talked about at the beginning, I mean, I love that we're aligned on vision because if if we as a church partner with an organization and we're not aligned on vision, we may be able to do a lot of great things, but it's going to be frustrating over time. And so they may be doing great stuff, but it just doesn't fit with where we're going. So I love the gospel centered vision. And if as a church, it aligns with your vision, then, oh man, it's going to be great. Number two, 
is the deep relationships. So there's, so the deep relationships that are with Lifeline, because as a church, we, we have, there's excellent staff at Lifeline that I'm able to, to talk with, follow up with all those types of things. But ultimately it facilitates a deep relationship with our partners on the ground in India. And so I love that you got aligned vision, you've got deep relationships, and, and then ultimately you've got strategic on-ramps or strategic handles, depending upon what analogy you want to use. So, you know, we can start high up at the vision and then we can get along really well and have deep relationships, but it translates practically because Lifeline is able to say, Hey, we've been we're talking with this partner and here, here's a need or, Hey, you know, we fellowship and say, Hey, we'd like to go on a trip. What could this look like? Well, Hey, we're doing this conference here. Why don't you come be a part of that? Or, Hey, there, we're going to be running a VBS at this time in India. Would you be willing to send a team at that time? And it just allows it to be strategic or getting updated prayer requests so we can continue to be in prayer. So to have that aligned gospel centered vision, those deep relationships, and then have those strategic handles, um, it just works really, really well. And then uh, for the individual, oh man, it's so hard because, um, you know, as an individual, I'll, I'll, I'll speak as a pastor. Like if I had someone from my church that was coming to me, as a pastor, I want to come alongside people where God has called them and where they're passionate about, even if that doesn't fit with the, the specific focus in my church. So in some way, if God's called you as an individual to be a part of something, man, even if it doesn't become the primary focus of your church, um, be faithful to what God has called you to and invite your church to be a part of it and allow them to be as engaged as possible. Rick will tell you, like, it's been, it was years. It was years of him going and sowing seeds and making connections and all this stuff before Lifeline got connected to some of these partners and before Fellowship made it a focus area. But Rick prayed consistently prayed that God would bring the right people to be a part of the work that he was doing. And then he, I mean, he lived it out faithfully day in, day out, um, whether the church was a part of it or not, like they was, he was being faithful. Um, and then just continue to, to make those invitations. So if, if as an individual, you are really passionate about an area, maybe, you know, it's India or Lifeline or Vulnerable Children, invite your pastor, share stories with them, share the impact that's going on, be in prayer for them and invite the pastor or someone for key leaders from your church to join you on a trip. Like I said, I mean, India sounds far away and hard, all this stuff. But when you get there or when you work with vulnerable children, Lifeline works in other places, like God just can't help but work on your heart. And then ultimately, you just you have to trust God with the results. Like as individuals, I can't control what the elder is going to do at our church. I can't control, you know, our people responding to things, but I can help influence them. So what are the things that are within my influence that I can be a part of. Um, so I don't know if that's a great answer, but that's, that's off the top of my head, what I would say, Herbie. Jeremy, that's, that's beautiful. And I think that is such a, a needed word. And, and again, I would just encourage anyone listening to this podcast. I hope that you can see the benefit of partnership on all ends of the spectrum. There's, there's benefit to the partner on the ground who is feeling the support, the love, the encouragement. There's a benefit to the church body to be able to see a tangible result of prayers. I mean, I think, Jeremy, you know, we didn't even talk about this, but I think one of the most beautiful things to see is how, as a body, you have prayed for these partners, and without spending a dollar, you've seen the Lord work. And that increases the faith of your people that they're praying for folks they may have never seen, never laid eyes on, 
they're praying for things to happen that they really don't even understand. And yet the God who knows and understands is, is working. It, it increases the faith of, of the people here. It increases the faith of the people there. And it draws us together as the body of Christ. And so as we close, I, I just would hope, again, if you're listening, take that next step. Uh, go to lifelinechild.org. Learn more about our global orphan care ministry. Learn more about how you can get engaged and go the next step. And if you are in Kansas or anywhere near Topeka, Kansas, uh, and you don't have a church home, I tell you right now, uh, there's no perfect church, but there are great churches that want to serve a perfect God. And fellowship is one that wants to serve a perfect God. And I would encourage you uh, to find community there and another Bible-believing church that preaches the gospel and encourages her people to go on mission. Jeremy, brother, thankful for you and thankful for your time today. Well, thank you so much for inviting me and thank you for the partnership. Uh, appreciate what you guys do and thankful to be a part of what God is doing uh, in India. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Podcast to make it easier for more people to find. For more information on how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, visit us at lifelinechild.org. If you want to connect with me, please visit herbienewell.com. Follow us at Lifeline on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel through you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again next week for the Defender Podcast.